Hi guys. guys and welcome back to season two. I hope you're all good. I know it's been a minute and we apologize for the delay, but we have some really exciting news and hopefully the wait was worthwhile. Yeah, like Amina was saying, it has been a while, but that's because we were earlier this year selected by Spotify as part of their Next Wave uh, podcast competition. Um, so we want to say a huge thank you to Madeline Well. She's been helping us with graphic design and the whole Spotify team that we've been working with for the past few months, you know, they, they sorted us out with some new equipment and really helped the whole process along. Yeah, as you may have also noticed, we have a brand new cover art and that's all thanks to Madeline. So not only will we be coming with a new design, we'll be coming with new amazing episodes and some really, really interesting guests. Yeah, so, I mean, we hope you enjoy season two and let's get into episode one. Welcome back to another episode of Successful Failures. If you're new, I'm Rebecca. And I'm Almina. And in this podcast, we interview some really interesting people, talk about their failures and how it set them on the path to success. And we're super excited for who we have today. Yes, yeah, so today we have Chris with us. In his last year of uni, I believe, he co-founded a company called Charged Up, which has been doing so well since with some of his friends. And then after that, or we'll a few years after that, he became one of the earliest employees at Bulb, which is a renewable energy company, which has done so well. I think in 2019, it was the fastest growing startup in the UK. My dad literally uses it. Um, I used it at my old apartment. Um, so it's been such an interesting journey. And he's also the elder brother of Mario, who was, I think, our third episode of season one. Um, he works at Google, so you can see success really runs in the family. Um, but thank you so much, Chris, for joining us. And um, please tell the listeners a bit more about your background, how you got into Charged Up and Bulb, and yeah, just tell us a bit more. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and really excited to be coming on after my brother. He, uh, <laughs> normally, it's the other way around. I'm the I'm the elder in the family, and, and he tends to copy me. But I think okay. the, the everything switched around recently. So uh, no, it's good to be on. Uh, it, it was nice hearing his one as well. Um, but a bit about me, so. Um, I grew up, I was born in London, grew up actually then in Dubai when my family moved out there. I spent 11 years there. Uh, and after that, uh, I moved back to UK for uni. Uh, so I went to Exeter. Uh, I did a kind of four-year course in renewable energy, uh, like for, for my master's as well. Uh, and, and as you said, in, in the final year, we founded Charged Up, uh, which is a what, what we like to call the Boris bike of mobile charging. So uh, I guess we'll go into a bit more about it later. But um, And shortly after that, I also got, got an amazing opportunity with Bulb, who are a renewable energy supplier here in the UK. Um, and I've been with them since. So I've been with Bulbs for now three and a half years, almost yeah, coming up to four years. Um, and it's it's been a huge ride kind of being part of both of those really like hyper-growth companies. Uh, and uh, yeah, it brings me to today where <laughs> one year into the pandemic, <laughs> we're all at home <laughs> doing our uh, coronavirus activities, lockdown activities. Um, but yeah. Um, so I guess as you guys know by now, um, how we start all episodes is sharing what we failed at this week. So Elmina, what have you failed at this week? Oh, I don't know why you made me go first. Okay, let me think. Um, what have I found out this week? I mean, it wasn't really a failure. Um, more like just COVID being annoying, but it was my birthday earlier this week. Oh, um, <laughs> thank you. I feel bad for not knowing. <laughs> no, 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 don't worry. I mean, by the time the listeners are hearing this, it would have been my birthday. It wouldn't have been my birthday for a long time. Um, but yeah, it was my birthday. It was a pandemic. So like, it wasn't really like a failure, but it was annoying because it was my 21st birthday as well. So, you know, all my family were making it a big thing and then it ended up just being like a Zoom party. Um, but, you know, it was, I'm just lucky to be alive. So to be honest, you know, I'm very, very thankful for even turning 21 mm -hmm. and surviving through the pandemic. But it was a bit of an L, but you know what? It's fine. Um, I'm going to celebrate my 21st and exactly. a half birthday in summer. Um, so hopefully I can properly <laughs> celebrate. But um, Chris, what did you fail out this week? What I failed at, um, 
there's a couple of things I failed at this week, which is makes me yeah very optimistic. <laughs> but um, the first one is I think you probably heard this one before. Uh, just exercise. I no. I just have not exercised properly this week, and I'm really big on that. So uh, that's been a big uh, L, as you like to say. <laughs> but um, the other one is sleep. So lack of sleep. Mm. I admittedly got too into um the queen's gambit on netflix such a good series and <laughs> after that so i've always like i grew up playing a bit of chess here and there but then i said to myself there's such hype about this show everyone's like following this wave getting into chess now and i was just saying to myself you know what don't don't just follow the wave don't get into chess but <laughs> what happened is i'd watch the show uh, be up like really late just just on chess.com playing chess and uh, I took a real big L there because I went on and I was uh, like, you know, I hadn't played in a while so I said to myself, uh, let me just go in as a like new to chess mm. category. So I clicked on that and I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely going to win this match. <laughs> definitely. This, this is an easy one for me. I've played in my past. Uh, and then I got hustled by this guy who wow. just, he just uh, was like some pro who just destroyed me quickly. And <laughs> I was there at like 1 a.m. like, what just happened to me? <laughs> I've lost sleep and I had work in the morning and I was just like, uh, this sucks. I knew I should have done this. So, so. Jose, did uh, you re... Because I know on chess.com you can like replay them. Did you like try no, and attempt? Not, not with that guy. <laughs> he, he was clearly like some higher level person just coming coming into that new country to, to have some fun you um, just take the L clock out to say. Took, took the L I learned my lesson just you know be, be true with yourself just go in at the go in at the level you think you are and yeah. then maybe you'll, you'll get a, a good match but, that's yeah. so you know uh, so many people have gotten into chess it's ridiculous yeah, it's crazy skyrocketed yeah. my brother as well he's yeah. always on chess.com as well playing all these really? people like, online yeah Oh like, my out gosh. of nowhere, but like, we, move, we, move, we love it. <laughs> it's insane, like, what a, like, cultural shift Netflix can do. Ridiculous. Like, it's, like they've done this now a few times. They had the, the, uh, the Formula One show, which, like, no one was into Formula One before. Literally, I was into Formula One, started watching it, <laughs> yeah, loved it. <laughs> like, people going to, like, buy tickets around the world to the... Um, to go to all the like Grand Prix. Yeah. It's, it's insane, like, what, what Netflix can do, the power it has. So. Yeah, I really want to yeah. read um, the autobiography of the guy that started it i'm not sure yeah. if you've read it um yeah. but i've apparently it's amazing um but yeah so interesting um okay and rebecca last one up what did me? you feel like this week um i mean i guess kind of similar to chris for me as well it's a recurring failure of trying to sleep early and making a little bit of progress and then failing so you know <laughs> that's that's definitely my failure this week hopefully no, that'll rebecca, be the last time i say this on this podcast yeah and, rebecca, you know, <laughs> this is a recurring theme on the podcast rebecca is, sleeps at like 4 a.m it's ridiculous not every time but at least rebecca know, i got a text from you at 3 15 last night and you can't even like, claim okay, time to... difference like you're literally the same time zone <laughs> okay, as okay 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 yeah you don't have to do all of that <laughs> i'm dead no, okay don't, don't worry, worry. This, this will be the last time so you, you guys can hold me to that love to see it okay so now we're going into the proper questions um so as we well as i outlined chris outlined um you're very much in like the entrepreneurial kind of startup space so i was wondering if you know you in your past maybe in your teenage years or anything you had been entrepreneurially minded maybe had like a few i know when i was younger i had like some few like failed businesses like did not work out um but i was wondering if you had had any experiences like that um, and you'd always kind of known that you wanted to go into the startup space. And if so, like what challenges you had around that time? Yeah, so it hurts me to say this, but I think my first kind of inspiration of being an entrepreneur mm. was through my younger brother, Mario, who you, you've met <laughs> on the show. Um, so Mario, if you're listening, that's a shout out to you. And here's why. So... I was, I was at like maybe around 15, that meant Mario was about 11. Mm. Um, and we were in Dubai and, and we lived in like this kind of compound where we had uh, like a central part where we could all go play outside with the other kids and stuff. Um, and one day I just go, like I had a huge bookshelf, lots of, lots of books. I go to my bookshelf to pick out a book and I realize it's, it's mostly empty. I'm like, <laughs> well, what's happened to my books? And then 
Um, I just get told by my parents that Mario has set up this like um, stall outside <laughs> to like sell all of our stuff, like my stuff, my parents' stuff, his stuff, and just make money out of it without you know without any permission. So we're like, what is going on? And so he did this huge thing. He made lots of money, and he did, he did lots of these little side hustles. Um, as a kid, and then I was like, wow, you can actually like make quite a bit of money from doing this stuff. Um, and so I think that was probably my first inspiration, what got me thinking mm. in that kind of mindset. Um, and then I'd say the next real key point uh, was when I was at university in Exeter. Um, a couple of friends and I found, like, as you do, you find a, a problem that you want to solve. <laughs> Uh, we found that as, a, as party animals ourselves, we found there aren't enough parties at the team. <laughs> so why don't we just set up an events company and, and run events all around. And uh, to be honest, the real motivation there was just to party more, not to, not to, <laughs> not make, to, business, money. Not to make money. <laughs> like if we make money, great, but we just wanted to throw more events and, uh, for us and our friends. But, so we set that up. Um, and admittedly, on the show for the first time, we, we had a company, but it wasn't registered. So we were just yeah. <laughs> running this thing, um, like, officially, but uh, not unofficially at the same time. So um, we did lots of events, ran that all around uni. It was actually a big success. Really? Um, but the, like, I guess the, the challenges that I didn't think would happen was that it's actually a lot of work. And we thought, oh, yeah, we just book a venue, invite some people, that's it. <laughs> but we didn't think about, you know, lighting, the, the, the smoke machines we want to do. Oh, the, yeah. Like, uh, like, actually, the admin stuff with all the, all the different event places, like, just to, to secure a place is, is much harder than, than we thought. So that ended up taking a lot of time. And I think the first event we profited... A hundred pounds between the three of us. Oh, so we must have spent. <laughs> we must have spent. I think weeks, if not like over, like maybe two months, <laughs> planning this thing and organizing it, and then we made thirty pounds each. So <laughs> <laughs> well, at least that we was make like a, a real humbling. Like, you know. Yeah, it was like a really a real humbling point for us. Um, but it was super. I'd say really good experience at yeah. that time to like make like uh build interpersonal skills uh, relationships with other people yeah um so that was i guess what then motivated um us so the person i founded that with um we actually went on to do charged up oh um, that's so cool along with someone else so uh it was we kind of used that the success of that events company uh, it was i promise it was more successful than <laughs> the 30 pounds first event um, but uh it did get more successful, but we used that motivation to then, um, like, trigger, charge it up and, yeah. and go on from there. That's so cool. Did you do it for the whole sort of the events company? I mean, the whole um, three years or four years? How long were you there for? Yeah, I was there for four years, three for the undergrad and then okay. the, the master's. But, um, no, we started it in, I think it was in my second year. Okay. And we stopped it when we got to fourth year because work got serious. Yeah, I was going to say. Around anymore, <laughs> um, we, we do have we have a degree to do, and like yeah, that was just too much, so we had to stop it then. Gosh, I'm so jealous. I know for Rebecca and I, we've literally had like a year and a half in like actual uni, um, yeah, and we spent the last year and a half in our rooms, um, oh. which is so annoying. Um, but yeah, I'm so jealous. But it sounds so much fun. It must have been such a fun experience. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, I would, yeah, I wouldn't take it back for anything. Yeah. We like we became the the Beanox, so the big names. <laughs> Because yeah. of, uh, of this events company, it's like, oh, get us into VIP. And we, get we hacked it up so much. But, uh, it was so much fun. Yeah. I actually love that. That's so cool. Yeah, honestly. honestly. <laughs> um, and building on from that, like, it'd be great to hear more about Charged Up, you know, how long it took to get that off the ground, uh, the challenges you faced, you know, funding, pitching. Um, and Almina mentioned something about you might have had to visit factories in China as well. Like, it sounds like it was a whole, a whole you know, thing uh, to get it set up. So it would be great to hear more about that. Yeah, th that was like really so. If you compare it to the events company, Charged Up is <laughs> way much of a bigger like challenge that we had so I if I take you back to the beginning it was in our fourth year at mm. university in our masters and we were getting to the point at the end of the year where we hadn't had jobs we we'd applied so many places and mm. you know the typical if you don't have a job let's start a business yeah. <laughs> mentality but um 
I remember we, we were sitting in like a meeting room and we were just like we had this meeting room that we used to always go in the three of us so it was me my friend uh, Hugo and Hakim who I live with at the moment um, the three of us were on the same course and uh, it actually started from a university project of ours so uh, the project was uh, to build a like solar we were we were on the renewable energy course so the, the project was hey build a solar panel that was like our thing and we said you know let's take this to the next level and so we we got really into it and we actually built like a whole solar powered uh, charging station for your mobile phone wow um so it was very like makeshift like if if i show you pictures it's really funny it's like it's a a wooden like all wooden and like really like not put together (laughs) but it did the job it had like a solar panel on top it had little lockers you could put your phone in you could charge your phone um so we had that, we got a really good feedback on it from our like uh, university lecturers and, and like we did really well in that course. So we thought, you know, could we take this to the next level? We know like f- phone charging is an issue. So mm. we were sitting one day and we thought, it's good, but like um, it already exists. Those lockers are already there in the market. And then Hugo had the idea he, and he said, you know, what if you could somehow take your phone with you mm. and keep it charged? Um, so then we had the idea, why don't we have these lockers and we put um, power banks in those lockers and then we, we kind of take, like, you can rent them out. Um, and we started developing that idea. We came up with our MVP, which was like, again, we made it ourselves. Uh, like we, we outsourced, we kind of went to all these fa- different little factories in Cornwall. Yeah. And, and like where our uni was. Um, to kind of build this MVP together that would like kind of charge the batteries. Um, and then, yeah, took it from there. So... Uh, in turn, the next kind of big challenge was moving to London. Mm-hmm. So uh, we we had to do like a lot of fundraising initially in, in university, and it was really grateful, really grateful for the opportunities we had there. I think we were like the only business there to um, to come up from the university. So really? like they were throwing money at us. They were like, come, there's, there's this um, uh, thing you can do. There's this grant from this university. There's this grant. There's this scheme. Um, and, and we just kind of made use of applied to everything. There are, you know, small sums uh, of money, but like they, every bit helped at that yeah. stage. Uh, so we applied here, there and everywhere and it got a bit of media traction in the area. Mm. Uh, and at that point we kind of knew, okay, let's, let's see what we can do, have, like where we can take it. And we knew the next big step was go to London because, you know, there's much more of a market there. Yeah. Uh, even our target market is much more suitable mm. in London. You know, people who are on the go, busy people, you don't have time yeah, to, that's true. to sit down and charge your phone. So uh, that's why it then came to London. Uh, there were, and that's where it really kind of picked up. And uh, a lot more of the challenges came in with trying to get larger invest- investment um, and even just making sure we don't go under. Because at that point, you know, we're in London. We don't have jobs. Mm. Uh, we're not getting paid, and and like we still got to kind of pay rent and yeah. do all of that stuff. So, uh, for me, luckily at that point was around the time I got the offer from Bulb. Okay. Uh, so I was very fortunate to kind of take that on, but also still continue to help out where I can. And I was also more fortunate that the the guys were willing to continue on it full time. So, um, we we had like a good system going. I would like take experiences from Bulb, which is mm. a, like a super fast growth company, feed it back into Charged Up and then support where possible. Um, so yeah, after that, I'd say it took about a year and a half from when we moved to London to when we got to the launch point. Oh, really? What we define as launch. And I guess how what I define as launch is we had the first Charged Up station yeah. in a venue. Yeah. Um, and like customers were using it. Uh, so I still remember that day we were just in some random like little bar in Shoreditch. <laughs> uh, we all got together, um, put it live. I think one of us took the first rental. It was oh a super gosh. exciting moment uh, just to see it like live. And then it got way more exciting seeing it in people's hands eventually, just for strangers' hands. It was, it was really cool once it started to expand out. But yeah, that's so cool. Honestly. In that um, first year and a half were there any points where you're like what am I doing or like this isn't going to go <laughs> where we want it to go and how did you kind of push or even if other people in your team kind of felt like that and you had to then spur them on how was it managing that fear or anxiety yourself and then also managing it for other people yeah uh, it's a really good question I think there were a lot of challenges especially with um, 
like the the fact that we didn't have an income mm. until until the first fundraising round came mm. in i think what kept people going was and the team going was that investors saw potential in it yeah and the fact that investors saw potential gave the team and everyone all of us like a lot of confidence to just power through like if we get this investment yeah you know like it's kind of that's that's the hardest part and then you figure it out from there uh so yeah the dynamics were a bit difficult there's always like uh in terms of like if we're looking at failures there's always difficult conversations around mm. um you know the three of us were friends and yeah. <laughs> when you involve business you hear that classic saying of mm. don't mix uh, friends and business yeah and, but mm. you know you can't you can't get the right like if you get the right balance it's really good but you need to be mm. really careful because you don't want to ruin a friendship but also Definitely. you don't want anyone to be like um, <laughs> messed up as a result of the situation yeah so yeah th- there were challenges there but i think the fact that we had that foundation of we went to the same uni same course we we had like a lot of success in our projects there that kind of helped keep that bond together and and also bring in people who had similar values and similar vision yeah. and and then there was more of a yeah the fact that we were all aligned on the same mission uh but yeah for sure i think the the key point i took from from the whole managing conflicts situations was that you know just be brave and have those uh conversations mm. when when you need to have them yeah. uh because you can always if if you if you are like a true and honest person you can always come up with like a good compromise for everyone you're not going to try and go out and, and mess someone up and, and yeah, if you exactly. show that to that person they're going to do the same back to you yeah, so exactly. you can come up with like a really fair um balance um, out of that conflict yeah and ultimately you're all working for the same goal as you said so like hopefully it should all be for the best of the business and then yeah. all works out great for you guys as well yeah, um exactly. so yeah that's so interesting um okay so We've kind of just there touched on like more personal relationships, but I was also wondering, you know, mental health is a really big, important part of anyone's life, no matter what they're doing. Um, so whether it be through Charged Out, Bulb, or even early in your life, um, what challenges, especially with running a startup, like I can't imagine how stressful that mm. would be. Um, how was your mental health affected? What sort of personal challenges, maybe even with, not necessarily with the people that you're working with, but it's kind of outside. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously like, I don't know, startups and stuff sometimes it can be harder for other people to understand what you're doing um you know whether or not you should be doing it all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff so I was wondering if you have had any um, challenges in those spaces and how you overcame them or are still like going through them yeah definitely had lots of lots of challenges in that aspect uh we I'd say the most was at the point where I was working kind of with both Mm. so with both like really kind of new in there and then with charged up supporting where possible. Um, the reason being Bulb was already a nine to six job. Oh wow. In a fast paced, like super growing environment. As you said, I, I joined really early on in the business. So like the job wasn't just my job, it was my job plus do everything else possible <laughs> as, as it is in a startup. So I was often working way, way longer hours than that. And on top then trying to support charged up where possible so I was being worked down into the ground like fully (laughs) Uh, even weekends where I can just trying to like attend events for charged up like there would be a um what's it called the one in uh, east london the big there's a big events hall there um but like the there are big like tech events that Mm -hmm. like I'd have to go to on the weekend and like support with setting up charged up for those events um and it would leave me with literally no personal time, no time for myself, no yeah. time to wind down, relax. I was just 100% on the go for about, you know, I'd say about six months. Wow. Um, at which point, like, I really, like, was um, kind of gassed out, as you say, burnt out. Yeah. Um, mm. and, and I really, really felt that at that point. I'd never felt it before. Mm. So at, at that point, I, I had to just make a decision. Like, do I go one way or, the, like, do I do I go fully with charge up or do I go fully with bulb? And it was really one of those exercises where you have a huge list, pros and cons. Mm-hmm. And have, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't a decision that I came to easily. Like it really took like, a couple of weeks to make the decision. Um, but ultimately the way I saw it was if I, if I go back with charge up uh, full time, I, I'm not experienced and there's a lot more I can learn. Like I just finished uni and at the time the, the role would have been something like head of operations. Okay. 
um, which was kind of like kind of what I'm like I was doing anyway. But at that point, Charge Up was trying to starting to pick up scale mm. and. To be fair to the company and myself for my development, but also for the company's development, um, at that point it was uh, like a job that was beyond me, and I had to be honest with myself. Like I do not have the skills to run uh, the like operations of this company that's about to go global. Yeah. So uh, at that point, I made a decision to go with Bulb, mm-hmm. and uh, which actually turned out really well, and like I really progressed there and learned a lot. And again, I'm still feeding that back into Charge yeah. Up where I can. Uh, and I maintain a like really good relationship and like I still obviously have the equity there so that keeps me really like invested in the company Um, so we yeah I did that and that honestly that helped me so much I I was able to like have a real clarity of where I'm focusing myself and my energy and it gave me a lot more time to myself yeah Uh, so that was uh, like a really really good move Uh, it resulted like really well for everyone yeah Um, it was a shame like I kind of look at it I'm like it was a shame to kind of leave at that point it was mm. a bit early but um i'm still i still realized i'm very much involved yeah and uh, it was yeah. like a, a good decision for all at the end okay that's good i can imagine like charged up i don't know for owning a startup like it must be like your baby almost yeah. <laughs> like yeah, leaving it must be so almost like heart-wrenching 100 that was <laughs> yeah. like why it was it made it even harder mm. and the fact it was with friends um actually actually helped it uh it was really nice working with them but i think the fact that i knew them so well i i could trust yeah them to mm-hmm. run it and bring That's in the true. right people to run it as well because again mm-hmm. at that stage we were hiring like crazy and, and bringing in really big like uh, well-experienced people mm-hmm. to to manage like an international business um mm-hmm. so yeah it um it was it was difficult but yeah. uh like a, a really good turning point for me and i've i've feel like now i've built after three and a half years at bulb like it's really good foundation in like tech and operations and uh like it really aligns with my career path yeah okay ultimately the good decision we like we like to hear that exactly exactly um so how how big is the charge up team now how has that like structure changed since you left yeah it's about uh 50 employees wow wow. it's pretty huge Yeah. yeah um it started off it being very much a lean startup model so like you know we were outsourcing everything where possible mm. and most of the team was outsourced mm. whether it was china or india uh, the manufacturers in china and uh, we had like developers in india helping us with the app because uh, primarily it's it's like an it's an app as is the main part of the business yeah. so uh, a lot of it was outsourced and then we t- eventually took the decision okay now it's getting to a size where that's not very manageable it's also yeah. really expensive um, so we started to hire internally form divisions within the within the company mm. um, and have different people kind of uh, yeah structured to, to run each section of the company yeah. so yeah now it's it's growing really well a, a really good part actually of the business that that helped uh, like I'd say one of the most important teams was the sales team uh, and growing that quickly was one of the first things that we did um, and by having so many salespeople going out we were able to develop the network mm. which without the network charged up just doesn't doesn't work yeah you need to have enough uh, charge up stations or in, in venues all around uh, the UK for it to actually be worth you know picking up the charger and having somewhere else to return it mm-hmm. Um, so getting to scale quickly on the venues was like super important and this yeah the sales team was was like mainly responsible for that yeah I love that were there any um like kind of cycling back to um when you were actually having to pitch for investors were there any um sort of like pitching how did like even just learning how to pitch like were there any like mistakes or failures with like (laughs) did you have any of those pitches you're like oh my gosh like why did I say that or like that kind of thing yeah I'd say to be honest the the first pitch we did was at uni um and that was a good environment to do your first pitch because we they knew we would just finish uni students they kind of knew more about us they didn't see us as um you know like you are the co-founders of a business they saw us as students (laughs) trying to achieve something yeah so that helped us a lot it was more of a like uh, like a presentation okay we, we just you know you have your slide deck your pitch deck and you just kind of go through it at the end they ask questions so it's actually the way you prepare for it is almost 
almost identical to how you'd prepare for like when you're presenting on your project, mm. your dissertation, or whatever it might be. So like actually going through uni and going through lots of those presentations yeah. prepped us super well for that. But um, yeah, I'd say we were, like we didn't have any that were like super bad. Okay. We had like a, I think the the fact the the real key thing there was that we had like a really unique concept that we could prove had had like a good demand to it um and mm. i'd say what's more important than the pitch is the uh, being able to answer the questions okay. at the end uh we had literally studied every single possible question that, <laughs> that could be asked um, around us because at the end of the day what, what are investors investing in they're investing in you more, a lot more than the company yeah. itself mm. they want to see confidence that you know what you're doing you've you've thought about everything uh, and you, you have an answer to all the questions so like once you do that and you show that um, that is really what builds the confidence more than like um, like you know can you can you prove that the, your sales or can you prove like, yeah. how, how well yeah. how well it's doing so uh, yeah we yeah I think we were quite lucky in the fact that we got that initially and then um, like uh, Hugo had really good Hugo who the current CEO and, and the person I started it with he had like really like he's he's just very talented at that yeah. stuff. So he he did an amazing job with with most of the pitching and and getting prepped for that. Mm. I've seen that anyone who's listening, you should look up Charged Up on Instagram because Hugo is so funny on the like Instagram vlogs. They're so hilarious. Yeah. Um, it just seems like such a nice team. Like that was yeah. the overall impression I got when I was watching all these Instagram vlogs. Just what a nice environment it seemed. Um, and like seeing some of the new employees and stuff like that just seemed like such a welcoming company and so much fun. And so I just imagine it must be so exciting being part of like a new company that you're trying to get off the ground. Such an exciting experience. Yeah, yeah. Not again, like it's it's such a cliche thing, but like not every day is the same. In, <laughs> um, and it is super exciting. Like Charge Up's moved already. It's been in like three to four different venues in London, um, uh, like offices. Yeah. Uh, so even that is enough change in itself. Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, to keep things like really fresh and new and um, especially like the the way that the pivot and the the work that was done to kind of change the mission of the company mm. um, as a result of, of the coronavirus lockdown was was really key and vital to, to like the success and the future of the company. Yeah, we're definitely going to yeah. talk about that. Such an interesting for sure. question. For sure. I mean, we might as well get onto that right now, you know. Uh, I can imagine that with, you know, a business model like Charged Up, which is really dependent on people being out and about, you know, moving around. Uh, there must have been some challenges with this whole COVID situation and lockdown. Um, so it would be interesting to know, like, what kind of challenges and maybe how those have been overcome uh, as a result of COVID for Charged Up and even for Bob as well. Yeah, yeah. So as you can imagine, Charged Up, it's uh, station charging, mobile phone charging stations in bars and restaurants. And what happened in March? Yeah. <laughs> Every single bar and restaurant in the UK closed. <laughs> So what happened to the sales? <laughs> they went down to zero. Um, so obviously that's that majorly affected the business in time, yeah. like in in a like devastating ways. It affected a lot of businesses, but like mm. this was like the the only source of revenue minus some small like ad things. Here yeah. But um, so very quickly, uh, like the company was obviously running into like financial trouble, mm. and and something had to be done about it, and you know like a like the one of the one of the founders came up with an idea that you know what can we do with this situation how can we actually still operate under uh, you know the restrictions that we have mm. and at the same time do something good for people so like the the whole kind of mission of charge up is that's how can we do to improve your life and make it easier for you in in, in any way so uh, the the, the thing we thought about was, okay, what can we do? We have these, we've manufactured a lot of these like stations, these kind of medium-sized stations. So uh, we had we had small ones that went into into bars and restaurants, and then we were having medium ones into kind of larger larger venues. And then the, there were lots of them just being manufactured, and we thought, okay, let's try and make use of the fact that we have, we have a manufacturer, like local to the UK, and uh, we can easily communicate and quickly move on the fact that we can just build whatever we want mm. in, in a quick time. So uh, the idea came about, okay, what if we just change the purpose of them and, and we would provide like hand sanitizing stations? 
uh, it's something that's needed right now. It's something that people will buy, and like it's it's a yeah. There's a huge demand for it. So it was a very much first to market move, mm. as you know. Like the idea, like we were obviously not the first people to think about having hand sanitizing <laughs> uh, stations. <laughs> Uh, and and there's huge companies that can that can do this as well, like in a in a in a quick way. So it was a very much first to market move. Can we just get huge contracts, huge sales, um, with with like lots of big chains? And the good thing is, ChargeUp gave the market for that. So we already had a huge network. We had good relationships with lots of restaurants and bars. So what we could do is we we built like designed a new station, um, like got a got a, someone to, to provide the hand sanitizing um, uh, gel and uh, we started manufacturing like crazy and we did a contract with like so we did some big deals with some big um, chains and uh, we managed to turn it all around and it was basically within we got our first hand sanitizing station within a week wow, um, in a place. wow. that is um, crazy and then the <laughs> Which was crazy. It started scaling up from like two weeks on, uh, and then it went it went like like crazy. After that, the uh, the big one was TFL. So you may have seen mm. if you go onto any underground station, there's some hand sanitizing um, stations like on the entrances and exits. Yeah. Those are actually all charged up, even though they're That's branded crazy. by Detol at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> really? So it like, oh my god! <laughs> it does look like it's a Detol thing, but. Um, that's actually charged up, made, manufactured, and we sold the advertising. Wow, uh, that's incredible. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's really cool. That was like the big one. Once you prove you've got TFL, you can kind of go pitch anywhere yeah. Yeah. And, and get anything else. And then it's really scaled up over, over the course of the year. Um, and it's been mm -hmm. a huge success because that's something that's it's, it's a very different business model. It's like, a, um, you know, very quick kind of cash in the bank and, mm. and you don't you don't need much upfront because um, you just pay it later yeah so that was like a really good um really good move for uh, charged up or this was now called cleaned up mm. uh, the new project mm. uh which really helped to actually save the company when it was a really big um, yeah really important step wow. wow talk about telling a failure into I know, success I know. <laughs> so and talk about, you know you need to be innovative in these times i feel like this is like the prime yeah. example of that <laughs> literally and to get it set up in a week that's incredible i remember at the beginning of covid and people were selling like masks on amazon like one mask for oh, 10 pounds yeah. and like i'm not saying that you were doing that but it was it was crazy how like everyone was turning into like entrepreneurs yeah. trying to take advantage <laughs> of the situation but that is such an interesting story yeah, I, I remember i went to i was traveling the like just before lockdown happened and i went to get hand sanitizer from a corner shop and the guy said sixteen pounds for a little thing. Yeah. And they're like really buying liters of this stuff for like that price. And uh, you know, it was just so easy. We're like, really, come on, okay, what's the actual price? And you just look at the the It has the tag a sticker it like on it. Pounds. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is actually crazy that i mean isn't the company now called the up company yeah exactly yeah. so the the cleaned up really spurred a lot of thoughts and mm. ideas that like you know why what happens when uh, you know hand sanitizing there isn't as much of a demand Don't, for yeah. it uh, and you get competitors coming in and stuff and why not start to like when you invest in uh, like uh, you have a portfolio investment, you mm. diversify it as much as you can. It's the same kind of thing that we started thinking. We should diversify our business and like the revenue streams that you can get. Um, so we went on from there to think, okay, what else is a need right now? What could be a future need? So I uh, started noticing if you go to restaurants and bars, there's like contact contactless menus. Mm. And mm. that's obviously more of a need now. People, that will probably like go on for a while. Yeah. And, uh, people don't want to be touching stuff and like especially I you know the coronavirus has changed everything <laughs> <laughs> people are super more you could just notice a lot more like uh, germ freaks and all yeah. this stuff so um what happened is we thought okay what if we could provide a like a platform to the restaurants mm. to run their online menus because at the moment what would happen is a restaurant or a bar or whatever it is they they pay like a Sort of like they pay a fee to a provider to for that platform to run their um, to run their menus. Uh, but we thought, what if we could just give that for free? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, and then like run ads off the back of it. Oh, so wow. that's that's the idea. So 
we like with the tech team available mm. like at charged up uh, started building this uh, and it's like one of those things where it's like a one build for all once you have it yeah you can start selling it wherever mm. um so that's the next idea it's called served up it's, it's, just, it's just launched <laughs> yeah. recently um and uh, yeah that's going around to all the uh, to like lots of different chains again using mm. the network that charged up enabled at the, yeah um so yeah, that's that's like up and running, and and that's really the having having two different things was maybe not enough to call it the upco. Yeah. Uh, it was like one was the main thing charged up and served up was the side project, but um, like having a third one kind of needed to rebrand. Like it's the company's not charged up. Anymore. Yeah. The other two, are, if not like, uh, are as big if not bigger. Um, so uh, yeah, there was a whole rebrand recently, only just a couple of months ago. Yeah. Um, to uh, to like call it the Yupco and then all the all the yeah all the brandings changed yeah. the logos changed everything. Oh, I'm so excited to see like where or like what businesses you guys go into in yeah, the future. Honestly. It sounds I love like how quick you are to think about like where Many you things. can provide services. Like it's incredible, so yeah. interesting. And to think it all started, you know, with a project at uni, and now it's this huge, yeah, yeah. You know, multifaceted yeah. company. Yeah, I think that's the that's the fun. We always look back and just think like, wow, how we were in this like tiny thing we called the office. It was just the meeting room at uni that we we made our own. <laughs> we just uh, we put a sign, a handwritten sign saying the office, and then we just thought, what if we just put enough of our stuff in here that no one will ever use this meeting? Room? So we just put a lot of like charged up batteries and like our our working out and like lots of things all over the place. And then no one would just go in there, so we just cleaned an office and it just went off. The- Rent free, I love it. <laughs> that is so funny. Okay, so moving a bit away from charged up and into bulb, mm-hmm. um, as you mentioned, um, you've already kind of mentioned some of the challenges. You know, you're working ridiculous hours along with charged up, um, but. As we also mentioned before, like Bulb was an incredibly fast-growing company. Um, so I was wondering what kind of wider challenges in the company that you had to face in your new role with dealing with such fast growth, because like that can be. I've heard so many stories of fast growth companies and mm-hmm. the kind of chaos and you know what problems can arise. So I was wondering how you, especially dealing with that much responsibility, um, how you managed that and what you went through. Yeah, yeah, good question. The as you say, growing that quickly, so Bulb was the fastest growing company in the UK, private company in the UK for two years in a row. Wow. Um, the 2019 and 2018, I believe. And uh, I was there from 2017, so <laughs> <laughs> I went right through that. I went through that uh, so there are so many challenges. Like we, The main one is just being able to keep up with everything. Uh, and the main difficulty is... We were growing so fast that we just could not hire anywhere near as quick. Mm-hmm. And, and a, that's a, a huge reason why so many companies fail. Um, but Pulp just had this amazing way of doing things and like automation and uh, making things better was is at the heart of everything Bulb does. And so we very much operated at like the customer size of much bigger companies with maybe like a fifth of the, of the staff. Wow. And that was really the fact that we were super efficient with everything really helped get us through it but yeah it was a struggle I can't lie like I, I worked uh, long hours for most of the years uh, like most of the time I've been there yeah like uh, way above the contracted hours <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of do it and it's uh, when you're really invested in something you, you, you just do it um, and uh, logistically again like uh, I mentioned the venue thing with charged up mm. uh, we had to do a huge venue shift um, many times like uh, within the same building but then uh, like we had to shift completely so that's like logistically a huge thing uh, and like when you're there early on these are the things you get on with like yeah. it's like you do your job uh, but then you just help like set up computers and laptops and that was like <laughs> stuff that I was doing in this startup culture and uh, you just have without doing that um, you know no one will and like you just need people to, to buy in and get along with it so yeah I'd say the the real the main struggle throughout has just been keeping up with the pace of things and, and making sure we're still uh, as an energy company, develop, you know, having an excellent service for all of our customers um, and getting those whilst growing super, super quick. Um, yeah. yeah, that was the one. How's it? Because um, I've heard like 
I thought instinctively, like when COVID happened and working from home, it would be like easier to like take a nap or like rest. But some people said it's actually harder to get away from work. Do you find yourself working longer hours now that you're at home? Uh, Actually, home has given me, has been really good for my work-life balance. That's good. Uh, Although I'd say my core hours are busier. And Mm. with, with an energy company, it's like, you know, you're, you still need energy at home. The business isn't affected. If anything, people, yeah. People are using more energy. People are using more energy. And you're getting more, exactly. like, um, kind of inflow about it. So uh, more problems to solve. We're still developing, like, uh, our products as well. Uh, I'm working in a product team at the moment. So we're still very much, like, as busy and if not busier than before. Mm. So the good thing is, I don't know what it is. When I'm at home, I, I've been stricter with... Um, with just my hours. I, uh, mm. Maybe it's the fact that I'm at home and I just see like, oh, it's past six now and uh, <laughs> the couch is there. I'm a bit the hungry. Please, <laughs> is waiting for me. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I think it's just, yeah, because things are easier. It's, it's a more relaxed environment. It's easier yeah. just, to, just to cut it off. Yeah, in the office, you just, it's, you've got people around you. Um, if something's got to be done and like, you'll just like stay late and do it instead. Yeah. Of the next day. I don't know. I found uh, it's been actually like better for work-life balance, but I think in the core, I was just as busy. Yeah. Mm. And do you feel like the type of work that you do has changed as a result of COVID? The type of work, so I actually changed, uh, yeah, but primarily because I changed positions within uh, the company. Okay. So I've been more kind of doing uh, like product manager type work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like... Uh, very involved in product and and developing like we had a re- like a restructure in the organization so the the area i'm working on now is to do with like uh, smart energy and and developing the best products for for your home so you can you can save on energy so that involves like uh, getting a battery installed at your house getting solar getting an ev like an electric vehicle um and having like an energy plan that's suitable for all of that, mm. that and like have it all managed by us so that you can really, really save on your energy bills. And it's because it is a huge problem for a lot of people around the UK. Um, and anything that can happen with the shift to like bringing in electric cars, uh, mm. this is like the, the market that we're yeah. targeting. So it's, it's super mm. interesting and good space to be in. Uh, and it's very much similar to my, like, my degree and my passion, which is renewable energy. Um, so it's nice that it's all lined up. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's the area I'm in. That's so interesting. I have like one final question before we get to the final question. Um, but I was wondering what kind of lessons that you learned about yourself, like throughout this whole process, like what kind of surprised you maybe about your resilience or like anything to do with yourself? Yeah, I think I've found out that I'm a much harder worker than than I imagined. <laughs> like for me to be able to, like when I look back to do like two jobs and uh, very difficult ones, and continue managing on and uh, like I am like if you ask my colleagues I'm one of the p- people that starts earliest finishes latest mm. those, that kind of people that kind of person uh, so I'm, I don't know where it's come from I think <laughs> like I think a bit of good stress helps me when, when I'm a bit stressed I just just go for it uh, because at university I wasn't like this yeah. I was at like a uni I was this party animal for three years <laughs> my first three years I was just partying 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 <laughs> And I, I would submit my, like, uh, assessments, like, on the dot, and, like, I wasn't doing, like, so well throughout those three years, and I, then finally in the fourth year, I did have to buckle up, because, you know, reality hits, and you're like, oh, I need a job, I need Going something. Going into the outside world soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Started to panic, I joined, I remember, like, I, I joined every society and every, um, uh, like, like uh, volunteering thing oh yeah the sun in that fourth year. Yeah. I was like doing a million things at once setting up uh, projects and all this uh, so that yeah I think like once when I realize something serious I, I really really get on top of it and I'm super like just hard working and that's something I didn't know that like uh, it only came out as a result of the real life and when it hits you you're like okay now I've got to put my head down and, yeah. and, and go for it. Mm. But yeah, that, that would be my biggest like learning about mm. myself. I love yeah. that. Um, and I guess to wrap it up with like a final question, um, if you had to give one piece of advice or, you know, one lesson from all your experiences, what would it be? Good question. 
<laughs> what I would say is what what I've learned is that learning is just continuous and don't be mm. don't be rushed to like like I've discussed about this whole um entrepreneurial thing and startup and all of this and don't be rushed or disheartened if things don't work out because mm -hmm. like there is so much you can learn and I've, I've found this over the years that you know there's like another hundred levels you can upgrade all of us can like <laughs> you know just mm -hmm. keep keep learning and, and improving and I think having that in mind has helped me understand that like a lot of things are achievable and uh, it doesn't have to be right now and it's all part of a process that you just gotta gotta work on and and just yeah just be be open to learning things uh go for it when you can uh and improve on yourself and i think just yeah having that mentality has, has helped me really plan out like uh, like short term but also like long term and if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out but you yeah. you know you've you've taken that chance and uh you've done something that um has improved you in one way or the other so yeah. Yeah. And you always yeah. learn something in the end, even if it doesn't work exactly. out. Yeah, and, and it will come back and help you in another way, you know, like, um, like I, I, when I moved away from Charged Up, uh, I was like, okay, this is like a, like, uh, I might be missing out on a huge, like, huge opportunity, mm -hmm. but then I, 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 I learned so much at Bulb that now I'm in a position where I feel like I could start my own business yeah. and eventually. And, yeah. Uh, I can I can also have the foundation to go into like tech firms and all of this stuff. So, uh, yeah, just uh, don't rush things. Like uh, take your time to learn, but also yeah, use there's like a million resources everywhere. Yeah. Um, make the most of them. I love that. Okay, well, thank you so much, Chris. This is such a good episode. Uh -huh. And thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. Um, come back next Sunday. We're going to have another interview, another episode. And yeah, we hope you all have an amazing week. Bye, guys.